2: This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're sitting here in one of our usual venues. It's a Wednesday night. We're sitting here in the Globe in Brentford. We come here all the time, as you know. Wicked pub, the Globe. They take Paul takes good care of us, even though he supports a the team that no one out there wants to be with us today. But he's a good bloke, Paul. He's all good, takes good care of us, takes care, good care of bees fans. We had a, a good little event here the other day with Billy Manuel doing a legends night. Never know we're going to be doing more legends uh, match day events there as well. But at the Globe, but like I said to you, Billy Grant here, and I'm sitting here in the Globe, and it's a really weird podcast because it's actually match day. You can hear the pub is absolutely buzzing. Everyone's getting ready for the match. We've got Cardiff. We're playing later on. And like I said to you, I'm sitting here. I've had a bit of tucker. I've had a few pints. And I'm potty for it, as I say. And this is a bit different because we've got a different array of characters here. We've got the usual caucus. But you might feel or hear that are different voices. I've got to come in and out because we've got all sorts of Brentford characters here in the house. But we've got the caucus of characters. People like the Savvy B. Now, Savvy B, how are you? Uh,
3: I'm very well, thank you. I'm uh quite excited another evening game at, uh, under the lights at Griffin Park so uh, yeah I'm, I'm very up for it.
2: Absolutely potty for it it's a savvy bee. Lady in the house as well. Hi uh, Bill yeah um, I'm good
4: tonight uh, I love I love this pre-match vibe and an evening game people have come from work everyone's having a couple of beers it's a big couple of matches for Brentford we've obviously got a chance to put Saturday correct tonight and then we've got Fulham coming down to, to our manor on, on Saturday afternoon so It's a potential big six points here, which really, really would give us a a boost. So, uh, yeah, so all to play for tonight, mate.
2: Excellent, excellent. We've also got the Dutchman in the house. The Dutchman, how are you? I'm
5: very well, thanks, Billy. Very well indeed. Good to be in the pub with my buddies pre-match and looking forward to a chat, some beer and some football and three points.
2: Three points. Fingers crossed. I was there up at Sheffield on Saturday. Afternoon and uh, tell you something, I had a great day. Love the Sheffield lot there, absolutely wicked. Really had a good time. It, it sounds really weird, because we, we almost always lose up there, but we still have a really good time. And I really love to go up there and win to see if they're as friendly as we really been as when we lose. But I had a great time with the Wednesday week there and the and the Singing the Blues posse and all the rest of them as well. A little article in the, in, in the Athletics as well, where I did a bit of a rant on um, a Sheffield Wednesday selling their uh, stadium. Nothing to do with Sheffield Wednesday fans, but I had a bit of a rant there because, as you know, it's one of my passions. I don't understand understand how teams are able to do all little tricks like that and thievery and we have to sell players for 20 million pounds to keep within ffb but anyway we'll talk about that if you want to check that out didn't hide in a fridge Uh, no not this time no i didn't hide in a fridge or do anything like that at all but listen but listen we're here we've got a match what we're going to do is we're just going to shoot the breeze before the match here here with all my chums all my buddies here in the globe before the match then afterwards we're going to come back and we're going to review the match against Cardiff City, and we're also going to look forward to the Fulham match as well. But what we're going to do, before we chat about that, tell you what we're going to do. We had a little chat about international bees a few weeks ago, and I just want to come back to international bees and bees and just people who have been giving us a few props. So, yes we're here and we're talking about international bees and talking about international bees as if by magic as soon as we talk about international bees, what have we got just walk straight in here as well we've got we've got the international swedish bee in the house say hello to you the characters hello nice to meet you yeah where have you come from Where, where, where have you been uh, I'm just coming from a Christmas dinner with my company, so I'm just going here for this uh, particular event. What country have you come from? Uh, Sweden. Uh, <laughs> and and you brought a couple of Swedes with you as well, haven't you? Yeah, I did. Some workmates from Sweden, yeah. And, and and you, I mean, you had a season ticket and everything like that. You're you're a typical international bee. He's just walked in on this. He's got no idea what we're talking about. He's very confused, aren't you? I have no context about this conversation whatsoever. So basically, what I was doing, I was explaining about the international bees and the fact that we've got people who support us from all over the world who come in and they support Brentford. And as I was talking, you literally just walked in, and I've not seen you for about three months. You've walked in. The international Swedish bee with the international posse makes as well. Just to say hello to characters. Come on, you bees! I don't know what's going on here. This sort of, I don't know if he realises this is radio, so hand-waving doesn't really go down particularly well on, on, on radio. But anyway, listen, what I'm trying to explain here is that we have an international bees, people that come to support Brentford all over the world, and they've been writing into to us for weeks and weeks now, and I said, listen, we've got to give them credit, you know, because... It's hard enough to be coming from North London to support them. I mean, Savvy B comes from about three minutes down the road as well, and he struggles as well. Laney's from you know just down the train line there, and he right. struggle. And Liberal comes from another planet. That's, that's right as well. You have to fly him in every week. You know, In fact, we try to, to, to make sure that we, 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 we lay on the runway to make sure that the that, that, that the rocket can't land for that one. Billy, but can I just say one thing? Did you really just say Swedish bee, tell them what country
5: you're from? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I was, I was trying to get, I was trying to, you know, people probably didn't believe it, but you know say, but I did you know. But anyway, we've got Chris Woods from Australia. He's coming over for Christmas, he says, and his, oh, I presume it's for Christmas, and his seven-year-old daughter Fern is going to be the mascot for the Fulham game. The last time at Griffin, last game at Griffin Park. His dad, he says, drinks to the Griffin of the Glow and used to go to school with that renegade Bill Ben. You all know Bill Ben out there. He listens to podcasts every week and he loves it. So thanks, Chris. We're going to see you on Saturday. Make sure you come down the Globe and have a drink with us. And Australian bee who's got a daughter who's going to be mascot on Saturday as well. And the story about the Jakarta bees. You must have seen the Jakarta bees flag, which is up on the, um, the new road. It's been there all the time. You thought, what is Jakarta bees nonsense? And Nick Porter says, my daughter and son were born in Indonesia and they're both season ticket holders hence the Jakarta bee's flag in the new road Um, so he says that counts as international bee so as far as we're concerned yeah that's an international bee Um, Harold the Dutch bee as well is going to meet us a bit earlier he flew in a bit earlier but he was in the pub about 3 (laughs) o'clock Yeah, the Dutch bee but I think he's gone off his drink he's going to be here all the way through to Saturday as well so we've got the Dutch bees in the house as well Uh, Lewis Carter as well he always listens from sunny Queensland so Lewis thanks for tuning in there as well and also we've got Marco no Marcos from Ecuador Ecuador Ecuador
4: Ecuador
2: as well if you remember that from Sash, the old tune from the nineties, big tune on our one of our stag dune weekends. I think your your stag crew do weekend, wouldn't it? No comment. But um there's a, there's a
4: lot of a lot of um people from across the board, a lot of Welsh here tonight, but I don't think they're supporting
2: Brentford. No 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 we, we can't call them international bees, we can call them international sort of uh, swans or sort of kind of uh, yeah, just characters, you know what I'm saying. We've got Sanjeev as well, who's uh, again character comes down the globe and drinks top top bloke sanjeev atualia as well he actually lived in hanoi for three years and he actually talked about the bees on national tv as well so he's trying to give a bit of a uh, um, an international bees vibe there as well we've got Lester bee as well dan su as well he flips between here and south korea as well so goes with his international beer as well dave bowens as well he wants us to put an australian tour out as well we're going through all this lot as well and james carroll He lives in Modena, Italy. Italian bees, that's interesting as well. There is an Italian bees. He compensates by watching Modena in Series C. Anyway, that's just a little shout-out to more international bees as well because we are so proud to have fans that come from all over the world. But we've got a few other things that we want to talk about as well because what we have is... um, Brentford It's coming to the end of the decade and uh, as the end of the decade, as you see, it's all flying around there. We had a little thought, we were sitting around there, and we were thinking, tell you what, what is our best team of this decade? Brentford players in this decade. And I'm was i mean, I'm scratching my head, because there's so many fantastic players. So we thought, like, like other people out there, we're going to try and put together, with your help, Team of the Decade. So if you check Twitter, and also check Facebook as well, and we might even quickly put up an article on there, we're going to ask people to just throw in who they think that their votes are, the team of the decade and what we'll do is we'll put it to the vote and we also need to put together the worst team of the decade as well we could do that as well which would be a lot of fun we'll put out the team th- of the decade and the worst team of the decade as well which is what good and be flying around so let's uh, check that but I'm just wondering I mean guys out there have you got any thoughts and also first of all we've got to put some rules into place do lone players count in team of the decade no I, no they can't count I mean
4: you know, no I, I don't think that's right I think they need to be ours they need to be signed they probably need to play more than sort of a dozen matches for us. So, yeah, I think not not too strict parameters, but there needs to be some some rules, some manners rules.
2: Okay. So, say for example, I'm just going I'm, I'm just throwing it out there, just because you talk about them. let of of play. Could, say for example, David Raya and Pontus Rens Jensen be in our team of the decade? Do you believe?
4: Yeah, yeah. No, they're they're, they're fine. I don't, but I don't think um, Shisheney should be included. No, no, no. But I
2: mean, Raya and Pontus Jensen probably played 20 games, and that's it. Yeah, no, they're, they're or 15, or not even 20, for thirty. Th- yeah, they can be included. We've signed them, yeah. OK, all right, so we've got the rules out there. So, like I said, check Besotted on Twitter. Also, check our Facebook page, and we might put a little article up there. But I'm just going to go around the table here as well. If, just one or two, any players that you think that you might like to include in the Brentford team of the decade? The Dutchman.
5: Too easy and too predictable for me. King Yotta uh, number one on the team sheet. Well, Why? Not, not number one, not in goal, but you know what I mean. Number one. <laughs> Why? Number. I still think probably he's the best Brentford player I've ever seen, uh, in two different spells, and his contribution and his excitement for me makes him. And there's some contenders, I think, on shorter periods of time, like Saeed at the moment and others. But I think over a, a longer period of time, Yota, for me first name in the in the B's team of the decade.
3: Sadie B. Uh, for me, it's going to be Sawyer's. It's always Sawyer's. It always will be Sawyer's. We're going to have to buy some really fantastic player to be better than Sawyer's. I'm saying Sawyer's.
2: Did you say Sawyer's by any chance?
3: Uh, yeah, Sawyer's. Uh, Laney? It's
2: really difficult
4: because obviously you want to say you want to say people like Pritchard, but we've we've set the parameters. He wasn't ours. I think the other parameter is obviously at their best, and um, so you can say. My my comparison would be Raya versus probably Bentley. Bentley at his best, I thought, was incredibly good, and I think, but I think Raya at the moment is better than Bentley. So th- th- these these are the kind of conundrums. So it's not, you know, I'm going to take this one quite seriously, and I say I think Rico Henry, um, at his best, is probably better than any other wing back we, we've had. So I'm, I'm probably going to say Rico Henry.
2: And for me, it's a player that I love, and it's really weird because you know it's one of these things where if things are short in your memory, if they only happen like yesterday or the day before, you remember it a lot better than you remember things five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. So this is where you have to maybe get people to prompt you to think of things playing the diamond. This is why it's good to put it out to the vote so people put names out there that you can actually pull out people from 2011, uh, and, and 2012, 2013 who may qualify for this. But for now, easy option. I'm going to put Neil Malpay. Only because I think he's a brilliant player, a brilliant goal scorer, and he's a really nice bloke. So these are easy options here. But what we're going to do is that when we pull this team together and we pull it together with your votes and everything like that, then we'll discuss it on the podcast because we'll be going. You know, it might be, oh no, why is he in there? This person should be better. So it'll be a really interesting conversation. So
4: I've got another dilemma. Where, what do I do with King Kev? You know, like so, King Kev is probably pro- is, he, is
2: he? He didn't actually play in this decade, did he? King Kev's in the Legends Eleven. Not, not Of course, he was playing in the decade. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, well, I suppose it's got to be the, quali- the quality of the player in that decade. Do you understand what I'm saying?
3: I think. Are we going to play four-three-three? We're going to have to sort out no the formation.
2: No, 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 no. It has to be in formation. Yeah, it has to be in formation. So you can't, you can't pick four right backs and four left backs. You have to best right back, best left back, best centre backs, definitely.
3: Four-four-three-three. That's that's also our best formation. I mean, we We're going to go
2: around because we've got characters in the house here. Just going to get pull up on a few kind of random bees in the house here. We've got the James James. Any player that you'd have in your bees team of the decade? Bees
4: team
2: um, of the decade. I know he hasn't played, played a lot, but Josh De Silva. I think he's 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 a great player. He's going to become a, become a great player as well that's interesting again there's a lot of uh, younger sort of uh, bees players that have played in the last year or two that are in the team of the decade so it'll be interesting to sort of kind of spin it out to try and see whether or not we can, uh, we can get other you know other players inside there. and then, like I said to you we'll see it's going to be voted for and we'll put it out there I'm just wondering any players we got this uh, character here from the South Coast any player that you would pluck out uh, to put in your bees team of the decade of the decade what, what this decade yeah. Um, Wait, we've got to push you on this uh, one. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go with Douglas. Who's that? Dougie oh Jonathan Douglas was an interesting one so we got Jonathan Douglas from uh, well for the team that got us up as well which uh, I think there'll be a lot of players uh, in that team the team that got us up will, will actually be in the team of the decade um, so it's interesting players as well we're going to have a little look around to see whether or not there's any any other any other characters who, uh, who, who, who any players of the team of the decade again you know say again Bill any player that you think that should be in the team of the decade team of the decade oh. just, one player, just one player Neil Mopey Oh, no, no, but other than that we've already got. Him
0: already.
2: Um, I'm going to go Rico Henry. Oh, you! You listen, listen! You're not, not good enough. Yeah. Keep going, keep going. Go. quiz uh, 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 show, this isn't it? No, no, no. It's no, I can't do it, Bill. Just higher, higher! He doesn't, doesn't, doesn't know any of the players. Yeah, you haven't, you haven't been, you haven't been to enough matches, have you?
0: I've been to most of them.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. OK. What are the worst... OK, what are the worst... Actually, we've got a teacher in the house here. Listen, listen. this guy, you know, if, he, if he's a teacher, then you know he cannot have a go at you for not doing your homework. So I do not feel guilty at him, at dropping this right on him because he should have done his homework. I want to know, any Brentford player you believe should have been in the team of the decade? Any Brentford player I believe should be in the team of the decade? Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Um, Oh, so is, oh, so it is. It's already done. And another one. Come on. Uh, you see these teachers here. You see. Hotter. Oh no! Look, you're not. You know. You see, you're not trying hard enough. Three out of ten. Look. Ah, oh, you love this. This is like the tables have turned on the teacher. Tarkowski. Oh, okay. There you go, Tarkowski. So that's fair play there. I feel like yeah. I was very yeah. Into yeah. There's yeah. Now you know. <laughs> And, and now you know what you like when you're at the front of your class, and you're telling your pupils that they need to deliver these answers. Sometimes, sometimes you need to be a little, have a little bit more, you know, a little bit more thought, and a little bit more kind of. Yeah, that's right. He's gone. So listen, we're getting an idea of the best players in the team of the decade as well. Hold on a second. Can we also
5: add in Manager of the Decade just for more contentiousness?
2: Oh, I think, I think, yeah, I think we should, we should throw that in because we can, we can throw that in for a bit of fun as well. A bit of fun, Do you like a bit, of fun? a bit of fun? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's, gonna, it could be quite contentious this one actually. Uh, I, I thought I'd remove that one because I sort of didn't really want to get involved in that conversation. But it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Andy Scott was on the. By the time it, the decade started, he was on his way out though, wasn't he? Wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs>
3: No, oh, he, he brought us up in 2009, didn't he? He had one decent year. I'm only joking, anyway. So,
2: oh, yeah. but anyway, listen here. We are Candy Scott, which is all good. Listen, just quickly, just go around. A bad player, somebody who should be in our worst team of the decade. Dutch, can you think of anyone? Oh right, hold a it. Oh, we got the aristic here. Oh, he wants uh, to go first, so he Tarkowski ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tarkowski Here he goes I'm not but listen you know you're entitled to your answer I'm not quite sure whether or not that one will actually kind of make the top of the pile but listen all entitled to your opinion anyone else worst team of the decade uh, t- Tarkowski no 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 Tarkowski no, no. <laughs> okay it's interesting everyone's going around Tarkowski I mean it seems to be a common theme going on there uh, Savvy B uh,
3: Tarkowski
2: all right, Okay. all right. This this seems to be a one man team. Can we get anyone else? Can we get any any, any more bids on any other players, um, Lainey? It's
4: probably between James Tarkowski and um, Harley Dean, but probably
2: James Tarkowski. Okay. All right. Okay. I think you've given you Listen. This is a. I think this is a bit of a pointless question. On this one, but maybe Dutchman, you could save me on this. Can you? Who was that
5: big eared bloke at the back? The defender who went on strike. Was his was Judas? What was his name?
2: Judas. Tokowski oh uh, there <laughs> we go Tokowski he's not too popular listen we I think listen jokes aside I think we're going to come back to this in a couple of weeks time the pre-Christmas podcast where we'll try and work out exactly
4: podcast of the decade
2: yes it'll be the podcast of the decade what we'll do is we'll try to string it out so it actually lasts a decade as well so actually no we won't do that um, so listen team of the team of the decade the worst team of the decade and even manager in there as well. It's going to be loads and loads of fun. We'll talk about that. But listen, let's just come back and talk about some serious business now. Because we've got a Brentford team who are doing not too bad. We keep fluffing it every now and again. But we've got some, we've got some new recruits potentially coming in January. But those might be too many. So we're going to talk to ourselves and say, tell you something, who do we want to come in January? And do we, who do we think should stay where he is? So, serious business there now because, listen, we've got a squad at the moment now. We're a little bit threadbare. We didn't think we would be, but we saw it on Saturday. We had a couple of players out. Pontus Jansen was out and also Dalsgaard was out on Saturday against Sheffield Wednesday. If you want to check out... The, uh, the radio show, the Besotted radio show and Pride of West. London. Check it out. We got Laney and we also had the Liberal Nick as well. Uh, he stepped out of campaigning mode for a couple of hours to step into the studio and talk about the game on Ch- the Sheffield Wednesday game. We had the fans, what they thought about it and everything like that. But just check that out if you want to talk about it. So we're not going to discuss it in this podcast, but what we are going to discuss is the fallout. The fact that we saw that match and we thought, wow. We've had a couple of players injured in our defence and we needed to, to bring in extra players and we looked at the bench and we thought we are quite threadbare and we're trying to get to January when we know we're going to be getting some players coming in in January from different places. One of those players is Halil Dovisoglu. He plays for sparta Rotterdam. He's scored, I don't know, maybe four goals for them. He's had quite a lot of assists. He's very highly rated. Technically, he's going to be coming to us in January. Apparently his manager is going to fly to London to ask whether or or beg whether or not he can stay with uh, Sparta Rotterdam for the rest of the season. The question mark is whether or not we actually allow that to happen. We've also got Emiliano Marcondes, who was with us, and then we sent him to Denmark to get some game time, to get his confidence back, to just get him back in the vibe. So he's out there playing football for the team who are top of the Danish league. Uh, FC Michelin who are owned by Bradford and Matthew Benham you know and they're keeping the vibe there and I think that Michelin would also like to keep him maybe they might even want to buy him which would be an interesting deal because Matthew Benham would be negotiating with himself you know what i so but anyway that's a different scenario as well but do we bring him back and also we've also got a third player as well um, we've got Marcus Force of course can you feel the force Who's at AFC Wimbledon at the moment, and he's banging in goals. Yes, at a lower level, but that doesn't matter because it's tougher out there. You've got to be tougher. You've got to, to, to know how to, to 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 play with these players. So Marcus Force is banging in goals for AFC Wimbledon. They love him. You know, the thought was that you know maybe Marcus Force is better staying out there and getting game time and coming back to us next season. But we never know. We need to bring somebody back. The question is who. I've got the Allard here who's just stepped in, like I said to you. This is like an in and out, shake it all about podcast as well. The Allard was listening to Thomas Frank's um, interview where he talked about these players who may or may not be coming back. Didn't you, The Allard?
1: Yeah, and Thomas Frank seems to suggest that only um, two of them would come to, or come back, I suppose, or come in Devalos, De, or Halliwell's. Um, yeah, in his, um, you know, for him it'd be the first time he came here. But only two of the three, and he said he maybe even one, and um, and that then led to some further questioning about who that would be. I think one of the points Thomas Frank made was that out of the three of them, Force is the only sort of natural centre forward. Um, the other two could play through the middle, but could play in other positions as well. Whereas Force is an out-and-out centre forward. Uh, so you know, you can kind of make of that what you will it'll be an interesting uh, discussion that I would imagine is being talked about you know, in the next week or two here at Brentford. It probably also depends somewhat on what happens to the squad. Who's fit? I guess they're going to have to make the decision before the 1st of January. They can't suddenly ring them up on the 1st and tell them what's going on. Uh, but, you know, I, say, heaven forbid, an injury to Watkins, then I think the whole thing flips. Um, so,
2: yeah.
4: This... Um, this
2: Freesome conversation reminds me of a YouTube. Anyway, we should move on. Listen, coming back to Matt Allard, the Allard. I want to know who do you think we should bring back in January? Just, just your personal thoughts. I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but I just want to know. Um, well, you
1: could. I, there, there's an argument that says you go with what you know, which, which is Marcondes and Force. There's another argument that says. Now, you know, what, what do we know about Force in terms of playing up front on his own? He's at Wimbledon. I believe he's playing a two-man, you know, as a, they play with two centre-forwards. And that, that, doesn't, that doesn't really tell you anything about what he's going to do playing up front on his own here. We're not going to change our system for Force, I don't believe. Even though he has played up front on his own with us. Well, he, well, he has, but, but part, what it have to bring to the game is, yes, he's got to score goals, obviously. But there's far more to it than that. He's got to be strong. In possession of the ball in the middle of the park, he's got to be an outlet, just as Watkins has become. Watkins wasn't a natural at this even at the beginning of the season, but you can see, he's, he's, you know, he, he can now do it. He can take the ball, he can run with the ball, and he can give opportunities for other players to get in position or to play off him. Viva um, was very good at doing it. Hogan wasn't very good at doing it, and he's forced good at doing it? We don't know. That's what we don't know. Um, Marcondes can't play through the middle as a nine. I've said that many times before. Whether Halil can or not, we don't know because we've not seen him. So it's a real, it's a real conundrum. Um, I, there's a bit of me that wonders, you know, is it time? Uh, have we written Marcondes off
4: or does he get one more opportunity? I, I think he deserves one more opportunity. And that part, that part of that conundrum is that it fascinates me if he were to come back with a clean slate, like, let's write off that first part of his Brentford career where he was injured and he sat on the sidelines waiting for the January transfer window when he was kind of with us anyway. So if, we, if, we're, if there are people out there that are able to like, write off what well, was quite a jinxed first phase uh, and where, you know, Jota was allowed a second chance I think Malkondes deserves a second chance too and he's probably more experienced than the rest of the other two
1: and and if I say so I'm going to offer you three players I'm going to offer you a player who plays in the Danish uh, Premier League and and he's he's playing for one of the top clubs and he's doing it Um, or I'm going to offer you a player who's playing in the top um, Dutch League uh, but he's only been playing in it for four months so I'm going to offer you a player from League One who are you going to take?
2: Make you wrong. So, 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 what, so we're going around the table just quickly and just to show you that this is, just to show you and we're going to come to that in a minute just to show you it's live and direct the team users come in and we've got Pontus Janssen, we've got Jensen, and we've got, um, um, and, um, 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 um Dalsgaard, yeah, Dalsgaard, he says that. The yeah, the Danish one as well. They've all, come in, they've all come into the side, so they're back in the side as well. So we've got a pretty strong side here against Cardiff. But by the time you hear this podcast, it's going to be tomorrow. We'll actually have been discussing the post-match. But this just goes to show you we are coming live and direct. Dutchman, you weren't happy with what was being said there at all, were you? You thought it absolute gobbledygook.
5: Haha. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I think Marcondus gets better every game he doesn't play for us. You know, his legend seems to be growing and he's never really done that much for us. I got nothing against the guy. I hope he comes good and becomes a well beater, but I haven't seen that yet. Um, Force I think will be good. But if you tell him which one, I'd bring him a new lad. Haven't seen him, the experience, top league. Let's let's bring him in and see him. Ideally you'd have more than one, wouldn't you? You want some game changers on the bench. You know, we had a really young bench the last couple of games, um, you know, with not a lot of attacking options as well, so. You know force, I think you'd always have on the bench for goals. He's shown that he can finish for us in his brief time, and also for AFC. Uh,
3: and the new lad's got a good reputation. Sorry about that. That's just me uh, taking the microphone. Uh, I, I think I've got a feeling that Halil is meant to be uh, somebody's replacement, and that's somebody I think is Saeed because uh, I think he plays on that side, I think he can score goals like Saeed, and I think if Saeed was to um, uh, to, get an, if we were to get an offer for Saeed, I think Halil is there to replace him, and I think that's probably the plan, perhaps not yet, because I think I, I, got, I got a feeling that when we allowed uh, Halil to stay until January, it was because Saeed had signed, or not signed, but said he's staying. Basically, happened on that last date, didn't it, of the uh, transfer window. So, I think that's the plan with Halil and Saeed. So, it depends if we get offers or. But even if we do, even if we don't get an offer for Saeed, I think get Halil in, get him used to the play because Saeed's going to go at some point. I'm hearing I'm
2: Chelsea are sniffing around Ben Rama. Oh, that's, that's the room around. Ashley was saying that, that would have been absolute bollocks. Um, a year ago, but now with Frank Lampard in there, and he's been around the Championship, he knows the Championship. He's more likely to actually give uh, Championship players um, a bit of a, a bit of a bit of game time. And you know, any, anything's your oyster at the moment. Now you've seen all these uh, Championship players; half of them have played for England now last season. So that that's not unlikely at all. And if that is the case, we we'll have to we we'll have to make a few moves. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna throw. I
1: will throw a curveball in. Um, I, I, add, I genuinely think that if we're in the top six or close enough to the top six in the transfer window, I think we might have to buy the bullet and actually get another centre forward in and not pin our hopes on force or pin our hopes on a bloke who, who's never been at the club before. And we've really, we've I've written off Marcondes as a number nine. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't come back, but I've written him off as a number nine. So I... I my, my That is my Is I don't think any, any one of the three of them really could be a backup to Watkins from what I
2: know and I've seen. Okay, so one thing, there's a couple of things to think about. If you think about this, first of all, is that we were meant to get a centre-forward in. Watkins was always meant to be in the team. And we did. So we were meant to get a centre-forward in.
1: And we did. And we did. And he got Who? It. No, no, no.
2: But, no. OK, with, with all due respect... With all due respect, the centre-forward that we got in was a kind of after the event. You know what, I'm saying? what I'm trying to say to you is that we were going to spend big money on a centre-forward. We didn't do it. So Watkins, was, it wasn't like a replacement. Watkins was always in the side, but he moved from out the wing to being a centre-forward now. So what, so what we've got is that we've got, if you, if you said it was that centre-forward was going to be £7 million or £8 million, We've got £8 million pounds that we actually did not spend on a centre-forward, that is there if we felt that the time was right. Of course it was going to be um, Lyle from Charlton, you know what I'm saying, so he was going to be, and he was gutted about it. A lot of newspaper articles uh, at the moment now are saying that we are going to go back in for him. Whether or not we will or not, th- that is a different story altogether.
1: And, and that is my point, is that I think we're still in the same position as we were then. I don't
2: think anything's changed. You know? We've had a great scenario that Oli Watkins has come in and he scored a load of goals, and we're 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 still in the game. But the fact is that if we've got a striker or two strikers like other teams have, you know, interesting leads. I mean, I was going to ask a question. Leeds have got Inketia on the bench that they um they hardly bring him up. They hardly bring him off the bench. Inketia with Leeds, but they've got this player that if they bring him off the bench, bang, he's putting the ball in the back of the net. Interestingly, um, it's, the rumor is that Arsenal want to take Nketiah off of Leeds and put him to another team because they don't believe he's getting enough game time. Now, would that be a move for Brentford? Because it means that we can still keep your forces and your other players within the loop. You're bringing in the players for like four or five months just to do a job, which is what we don't normally do, and he actually kind of helps us to get to the next level. Yeah, I agree 100%, um,
1: but we haven't loaned a player in in, what, two years? From?
2: But we also hadn't bought a very old player, a experienced player, in a number of years. Things can always change.
1: Yeah, I, ultimately, uh, that is my point. Is we, we went with Kareles and he got injured because we knew we knew we need another number nine. And then we've run out of options and we don't have any options till the transfer window opens. And I'm not sure any of those three players are the best option. That's kind of my overall feel about it.
2: I mean, I've, I've asked you Dutch, do, is it, what, what would you do, if you were Thomas Frank, what would you do in that situation?
5: His challenge for me is massively around who he keeps, isn't it? You know, if he if you keep Watkins and you keep Ben Rama, then he's not as stressed about getting replacements, just about supplementing the squad. I think his challenge becomes, if, if he know, and you assume he will know before we do whether one of those players is going... Now, are we talking about strengthening our squad or replacing?
2: OK, let's, let's presume that Watkins is going to stay because if Watkins goes, this is a different story altogether. You, you're going to have to be bringing in players all sorts and probably bringing these players in as well. Let's presume that these players are staying. We still have to strengthen. Uh,
5: you, you do, and the challenge, as we've had in the past, is if you start looking to pay £5, £6, 7000000 million pound for players, they want to play. You know, They're not coming here to be understudied to Ben Rama or to Watkins. You know, they want to play, and that's where it becomes more difficult. And I think, you know, the force and the Macondis and Halil, potentially, you know, they've got more time on the bench and are, are more expectant of that. But if we go out and spend £7 million on someone tomorrow, they want to start. And that's when the whole squad thing becomes an issue. Um, and that's a great problem to have. But absolutely, the squad needs to be strengthened. We, we are exposed. So if you're doing a risk exercise, we're exposed.
2: OK, so who would you... you, you you've well, done who would I bring you, back? You've done a liberal nick. Nah. Nah. <laughs> is that the fence. Well, who
5: would I bring back? I'd, I'd bring in Halil. Right. And why? Um, because <laughs> almost by detriment to the other two, I don't think the other two have done enough. So I'm taking a chance at someone I haven't seen uh, rather than the two that I have.
2: Okay, cool. So he's, the Dutchman's taking a chance on. And, and uh, I'm repeating here as well because it's so loud here in the globe, we can't even hear ourselves speak, which is great. It's a pre football match vibe. Savvy B. Savvy B. So who would you bring back? I'm just asking a question.
3: Yeah, I'd bring Khalil back in because even if he's not there to replace Saeed, we need someone as back up and also maybe get a few minutes, come off the bench, we've got you know somebody up front who can play striker as well. And I think he's, he, he sounds like more rounded and we you know he can play in different roles but also get him up to speed for next season.
2: And, and, and so have you asked you who do you bring back? You said already have you no
4: well I mean I, I am I am kind of like really fascinated to see what more would do. Um, but I think Dovisoglu has got so many amazing people talking about his potential. But maybe it's best to get him uh, on the conveyor belt. To be honest with you, get him—you know—he's signed. Let's get him, get him accustomed to being on the bench and then coming off the bench and getting used to our patterns of play. I think it's also you know—progression. So uh,
2: yeah. And, and and for me, I mean, I'll tell you something. I was thinking about this a lot. Marcus Force for me. I know a lot of people can say you've got to bring him back because he's scoring goals, but for me. I was thinking about this: is that if you bring Marcus Force back, he's going to be on the bench, and he's going to be coming off every ten or fifteen minutes um, for Ollie Watkins. Unless Ollie Watkins gets um, injured, then he's going to be the main man. But also, the other interesting thing is that if we, you know, and you know, what help us if, we, if it ever happened that we went up next season, the interesting thing is that with <laughs> and, and, and Force, we hadn't brought him back, and he played the whole season at AFC Wimbledon. We're Premier League, then force that jump up would actually be quite large for force, actually, wouldn't it? I mean, we'd be looking at a completely different scenario. I mean, a lovely situation to be in. Interestingly, when force went to Wimbledon, he
4: signed a contract extension, didn't he? So, you know, he's ours for a while, and, um, and maybe he, maybe he's the one that does stay out just to get the games under his belt. I mean, they,
2: obviously, Thomas Franklin has said this numerous times. Phil Giles has said, told us numerous times, force is the best finisher. In the club, they've said. So, as a striker, and even, the, the, you know, Thomas, Thomas Frank said, you know, in this interview the other day, he is, you know, he's a striker. That is what he is. He's a person who puts the ball in the back of the net. And I think they've got a lot of faith in him. And my gut says to me that they would, they believe that if he gets game time and maybe, you know, week in and week out for a whole season, it's better for Marcus Falls, maybe than him sitting on the bench. For me, the player that we're putting, and also just coming back to it as well, um, we've talked a bit about um, Marcondes, and a lot of people kind of written him off. But the thing is that every time I've talked to Thomas Frank, he says Marcondes. He's an absolutely fantastic player. He's a brilliant player. He's so skillful. He believes in him, and it's almost like, you know, he hasn't delivered what he hasn't done. It's almost like the Josh McKeprin type scenario where they all tell you how brilliant he is, but you don't see it delivering. In a way, I kind of sort of think I'd love to see him do it. I don't know whether or not it may be a mentality thing where it's not it's a situation and the environment ain't right um, Dervis Oglu is an interesting one because what for me is, in, is interesting is not necessarily his goals it's his dribbling and the thing that we kind of miss out on sometimes we've seen it a little bit when De Silva comes in as well where he gets out there and obviously when uh, Ben Rama can be bothered to actually kind of up his game is somebody picking up the ball and running and running at defenders and running and sort of taking them on and just opening it up so for me Halil is probably the most exciting option because I think that he potentially can bring other players into the team without him necessarily being a striker as what the the Allard said earlier so 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 what are we saying hands up who thinks it should be the Dutch lads? Four. Four. We've got four. Oh,
4: five. Four. Five. Well, the Dutchman's in the Dutch
2: yeah, that, yeah, That's right. He, he's biased, so it uh, only counts as uh, half a vote.
4: My hand's going to go up for Marcondes. Two. Two for Marcondes. And Three for Marcondes.
2: Five. Yeah. Three for Marcondes.
4: Four staying where
2: he is. Yeah. Four staying with his. Uh. Four staying where he is. So, four staying. Where he is. Yeah, yeah where he is. Yeah, yeah, so everyone. everyone. Everyone says four staying with his. So there he is. So we've decided. So we're going to put a phone call in to Thomas Frank. Yes, that's sure. right. Is there an election soon? Apparently. Never heard of it. Anyway, listen, we've got a game to go to. We're going to go and sup another beer, get down to Griffin Park, underneath the lights. Hold on a second, what's going on?
3: We'll be having a prediction for Cardiff.
2: Sorry? For Cardiff. No, no, we're not going to do that, no, because it's going to be... D- no, old news. Absolutely old news, you i saying? Yeah. <laughs> he wants a prediction for Cardiff, but I just think by the time you listen to it, it'll be like, what they are talking about? So I think what we'll do is. I've been outvoted. I've been outvoted. Hands up, who thinks we ought to do a prediction? No.
4: Everyone apart
2: from. Bill. Oh, I've been outvoted on this one. Right, who's going to who's going to embarrass themselves first? Right, I'm going to give it to give to Sab first. See how how absolutely rubbish you're going to be.
3: Uh, I normally go for uh, quite big wins for us, but I think this one's going to be tight. I think we're going to be a little bit nervous after Saturday, but I still think we'll come through as two-one winners.
2: Two one to the bees from Savvy B. So you'll check this out afterwards, and please post or tweet and just say how completely and utterly wrong we got this all. The Allard. Yeah, two nil bees. Um, I, and I normally
1: go. I'm normally a bit cagey, and you know, but I, yeah, I think I think two nil bees. I, I think um, the, the the team are back together tonight. we got so two nil to bees. You
2: said. Yeah, yeah, two nil bees. Two nil to bees by the Allards.
4: Well, on the radio show, I said 2-2, two, two, but now I've seen the team, I'll go 4-1 Brentford. 4-1
2: to the Bees. I'm going to go the Dutchman, actually. 3-0 Bees. Oh 3-0 Bees. Ooh. And I'm going to go 1-0 to the Bees. I'm going to go very tight for this one, you know what I'm saying? So what we'll do is that when we come back after we've had our beers, after the game, we'll have to, we'll have to discuss that result and just see how far or near we all are and also how happy we are. We're also going to talk about the Fulham game and we're going to have Farrell Monk from the Fulhamish podcast giving us his lowdown on Fulham and telling us if he is actually crying at the moment now. But as we say, we're off to the game now. As we say, come on, Newbie! Come on, me. So we're back in the boozer again after the Cardiff game and the result was absolutely, as we say, TV, tremendous, fantastic. Tell you what, let's listen to what the fans had to say in the pub and in the ground after the game and then we're going to come back and have a little discussion
5: yes good now it's finished Um, got it pretty comfortable actually most of the game 2-0 and then the usual panic at the end uh, it's quite refreshing to see how some teams play against us and the hoof bit and you know other than the free kick which the, 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 the goal long shot we didn't really give them much
3: when you watch it, I guess, in, in, in hindsight, it's a good three points. Yeah, I mean, they, they run out of ideas, so they just had to kind of pump it up by the end. Uh, we held them off pretty well, I felt. Uh, but, you know, some of those panicky, long balls into the box uh, were a bit problematic. But uh, we stood firm. We played the game really well. Uh, I predicted a 2-1 bees win tight game. And uh, that's how it came. That's why
2: we were so like getting Pontus that deal over the line this summer. It's probably the deal that's going to change our season. He's steady to the ship. It gets the other players believing as well. You believe you can see these games through. I mean, it was still squeaky bum time for us. We were thinking, this is a game we should have really have won.
5: Scored the third goal. Seen it through. We're a funny old team at the moment. Getting 7-1 week. Losing the next week with a very kind of, I suppose, un-Brentford-like performance recently. Uh, today, everything's back. We've got players back. Um, and we looked good. We, I mean, I think we got a bit lackadaisical second half. Um, that ridiculous trick <laughs> from Ben Rama, uh, I think wound up the Cardiff possibly and they started getting on top of us for a few minutes. But no, we... We we controlled it later on
2: and yeah sorted it out. Well, I think the way defenses have been uh, shored up this season, um, brought in obviously Janssen, uh, Pinnock at the back, very a lot of height there, uh, a lot more physical. Dalgaard to help as, as well with the height. Um, there wasn't as much. It would have been on the ball, not to be fair. There was plenty of it, but we had other challenges as well. They got good technicians on the ball. Uh, they had a very good spell. Pretty pretty worried at two one to be honest with you, but. Um, we just about coped with what they threw at us and we saw it through. Fulham have lost their
1: last two, so there's going to be three they've lost in a row. We'll go above them, and then
2: I think we'll go above a few others as well. We're playing good football. Oh yeah, Obviously, if we beat Fulham, that is, on Saturday, you mean? We say if we do. I, saw, I watched their game against uh, QPR and the thing with Fulham is I think they're a very technically gifted side
1: but I don't think their heart's fully in it and I think if we go at them like we can we'll beat them. But the one, the one person I will stand out today was I thought that Jensen by far that's the best I've seen him play and it's good to see him like improving that way because he's always had the
0: technical ability but now like he's getting used to the more physical side of it. Yeah, happy be. I thought we'd ground out a result today. Uh, dominant, 2-0, um, let them back in the game. And it was a, a ropey 15-20 minutes, but they ground it out, they bit down and got a result. But yeah, but yeah, I think we're really uh, happy. I think we're a bit light on the... I think we're a bit light squad-wise. I think there's a lot of uh, players, like we've got a really good first 11, probably a few good subs that are, that are two or three that are of the level. And then, then there's prospects. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. chatting on the way back to the pub actually to a couple of the lads about this is a very point. Yeah, 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 yeah. The game is coming kind of thick and fast. lose a player or two, it's gonna hurt us, I think. January going to be so important, right? Like. If we lose if we lose a couple of big guns and we replace them with prospects, then that could be the issue, right? But if we replace them with proven talent, which isn't really what we do in January, then who knows? But mate, the season's going great, I'm enjoying it. I think today's a great win, bring on the fucking Fulham so that's the fans. Everyone's
2: delighted. We couldn't find a Cardiff fan. Unfortunately, we saw them after, tried to approach them. It didn't quite go according to plan. So we're all Peace fans on this podcast. <laughs> We're all bees fans on this podcast, as we say. But listen, it gives you a vibe as what went down. And it's a very, very good result. We're just going to go around quite briefly and just talk about this Cardiff game. Because like I said to you, for me, I'm delighted that we got a result. It's an upper after Saturday. It goes to show you, you know, that we can grind results out, which we did today. And also, I think it was very important, especially at home, not to lose a match as we go into such a massive game on Saturday. Dutchman, you were delighted, weren't you?
5: I was very delighted. I, I thought that's the sort of game that we could easily have drawn. Uh, I thought we were superb for most of it I thought we, we we dropped back a little bit too deep as we often do when we concede a goal and we readjust and tinkered around a bit with the formation and five at the back but the difference this time is we got the results so you can't really complain about that uh, some of the football in the you know, end of the first half start of the second half was, was fantastic and as long as we keep playing in other teams' halves and letting them worry about us uh, and let's worry less about them uh, again, one of those games you watch afterwards, you realise they didn't really have that many clear-cut chances. It's just the kind of panic that you might let in that, that, that equaliser at the end. Cracking goal, for the which we've just seen again for their for their goal. Um, but a good performance and a good three points in front of Saturday.
2: Kind of had a rather large purple patch, and we thought this patch is getting too purple. So uh, we went three at the back, stroke five at the back, because we needed to show it up. We took off uh, Norgard. I think it was, uh, was it Norgal, we took it off, oh, I can't remember, but we, uh, anyway, we went five at the back, um, we've got, you know, two well, win-backs. We, we took them in off. Them in Boima, that's right, so we took off an attacker, and we put on, uh, yeah, and we put on Jean Vier, on, we just said, listen, we need to shore this up. Um, when we, we when we tinkered with the back before, that went horribly wrong, but did you think it was the right move today? Look, mate, that that
4: was always going to be a toughie. Like, just going two goals up was the best thing that could have happened to us because it gave us a little bit of wriggle room. When they went long, you know, any...
2: when, you say, when you say how so, long?
4: So, so very long. So like everything was like punted into the area. Like long throws. Um, the free kick they scored from was excellent. I mean, let's not take that away from them. The goal that they got, they re- they deserved it. It was a quality quality finish. However, you know the. Because we had got back and because we had, um, um, we had uh, Pontus there, um, we, we had that aerial ability to deal with it a little bit more. And that organisation, we, 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 we didn't look like we were going to buckle. I think any other club in that division would have struggled against Cardiff today. And we, and we rode it out. And I think that's just like credit to us. And in, in my heart of hearts, with these games Wednesday and Saturday. I still, thought, I still think we probably are going to drop points, but I'd rather have dropped them tonight, have like drawn tonight and won on Saturday. So,
2: so you so you put pressures on the team now, yeah, but, they have to deliver.
4: Well, yeah, they do, but I, I just think there's even more chance of us doing well on Saturday now because we, we have bounced back from a defeat. The, the, the top of that division now is really, really tight. Uh, we, there's only is only a couple of three points between third place and se- seventh place, um, so we, this, you know, the, the, the top two seem to have pulled away a little bit, but you know, it, it's, it's still all within our grasp. If someone said that you would be almost halfway through the season and you were two points away from third place, you'd be like pinching yourself, and that and that's where we are. So. I think we don't need to be fired up anymore for Saturday. It's a, it's a West London derby. Um, we can overtake them with a win. Our goal difference now is p- plus 21 more than QPR. Um, we, we're in a really good position. We, yeah, we are, we are inconsistent. Yeah, it could be better. But, my God, you know, we, we, we're clearly not top two um, contenders at the moment. As yet. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. At, at this stage in time we are we are a, a, a solid playoff team in my opinion. Um, but that's not to say with a bolstering in January we, we can't challenge for a second position.
2: Listen, okay, listen, and you talked about a big game on Saturday, the big game on Saturday is the Fulham, the F-word. We're gonna come back after this little twang, because we're gonna talk about Fulham because this is a really massive game for the bees. So Saturday, we've got a massive game, big game. It's Fulham coming out to Griffin Park, and tell you something, it's so huge. And especially after the game today, the fact that we actually got a result means even more to the bees because we didn't want to go that game on a loss or even on a draw. So it means so much. And if you might know, if you listen to Besotted, we've had a competition. We have won all sorts of. uh, We had tickets to give away. Lots of tickets to give away, and we've had people entry onto Besotted Twitter and Besotted Facebook, Besotted all over the place. We've had the competition winners, and we're going to announce them now Adrian Lewis, Anthony Hanlon, Christopher Waters Luke Richtor Gary Shipton, Kate Daniels, Dave Wright. <laughs> they've all won a pair of tickets to come to Fulham, so they're all going to be down there. Very excited to come down to the Fulham, Brentford Fulham match on Saturday, which is all good. So they've, they've had their emails, they know what's happening. They're going to be getting them. They're going to be coming down, which is all good. Um, But we're sitting here, and also, the fact is that what we asked them to do, we asked them to describe their experiences, their Fulham experiences, their best experiences versus Fulham. And uh, we've got a number of uh, replies to that one as well. I mean, I'm going to read up a couple of them as well. Christopher Waters, 1991, Brentford 4, Fulham 0. The only thing Fulham were worried about was Terry Evans, from set pieces I ran on the pitch afterwards and gave Dino a big hug great times he said as well Anthony Hanlon as well so for me it was going to be Fulham first Fulham game one old draw 1997 was 12 went with a school friend his dad who were a big, big Fulham fans at the home end It's the first time I felt genuine pride in supporting the Bees, having been told that we were going to get smashed. You know that feeling. It was that old-school feeling that you have, like, you know what I'm saying? You're in school amongst Liverpool and Man United fans, and you're a Brentford fan, and they're telling you that you shouldn't be doing the business. Dutchman, have you got any there that you'd like to read out?
5: Uh, There's loads, Billy, but probably four or five games that everyone's going on about, as you would expect. Um, The 4-1 might get the odd mention. Um, I'll read a few of them in a second. The 4-1, the 4-0. Um, let, let's pick a few of the clay Yotter in the last minute. So here we go. I don't know. Hertsy. We know Herzy. River at HQ. Blissit brushing mince pie crumbs from Stanard's chin. Even after Fulham increased the entrance price. Christopher Waters, Malpain injury time. After just flying in from Australia. Similar, similar from others there. People with their family supporting them. Dave Guru Piggott. A winner, yotter in the last minute. Don't mind not winning, but if the winner isn't saying the same thing as me, something's very wrong, because that's my favourite memory of all time. Favourite Fulham story, 4-1 away, Luke Ricochur. First season back, 6,000-odd Beast fans, and the goals were all crackers. Great stories mostly and they'll, hopefully there'll be some more on Saturday
2: And as well I've got Luis Adriano as you see him he's very 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 active on Twitter as well he just rolled them out Craven Cottage giving my first away win after 12 defeats on the spin Stanislav's bullet from three miles out that's a massive game that was as well uh, Blissett Stannard <laughs> Blissett knocked out Stannard as well that was, uh, that was a game back in the day was that the 90s I think it was yes and it was absolutely pissed down in 1992 he's talking about the 4-0 win in nineteen ninety two it was absolutely and totally chucking it down but we didn't mind because we were on our way to promotion that year. Junkyard Yule as well. Two thousand in the Putney end for a night game late nineties and the first airing of him on the head with a baseball bat Keegan Keegan. Um, as he talked about that. It's interesting. Was I talk about that? Do you remember, like, hit him on the head with a baseball bat, Keegan? That was just, Now, this was before internet days. So there was a story where Kevin Keegan got beaten up in a, in, in a lay-by sometimes, and there was rumours that there was all sorts of malarkey that had gone on from Keegan, and you never knew what was right or wrong in those days. You just kind of went along with it. Do you, do you remember that? And, that? and that's how this hit him on the head. He actually got attacked with a baseball bat because apparently he was in a lay-by. Yeah, resting. And apparently the lay-by at the time, as they said, it was like just off the A1, just coming down from Newcastle. Do you remember that? I do remember it. I remember that night very,
5: very well. I remember it they, yeah, where, where they used to come off at the cottage and he had to walk right in front of us and he was absolutely gobsmacked that a couple of thousand Brentford fans were singing this song at him and it absolutely threw him. I think it was... Um, I can't remember the result that day. I remember it was a long day getting there. Um, I think we lost, actually, if I remember rightly. I yeah.
2: know.
5: <laughs> which we used to do every now and then. But I do remember that and Keegan was visibly shaken that day. Um, not my favourite Fulham memory. Definitely my Fulham one. Stanislaus one was one for me as well. But I still think the Good Friday 4-0 you know, Easter weekend one that virtually took us up was probably still my favourite.
2: It's interesting and I'm just going to come back to the hitman the baseball bat because we're talking about so I've got a Chinese whispers and the rumours that go around, and obviously post-internet day. So that was the rumours that went around about him being in an a by just off the A1, coming down from Newcastle, getting beaten up by people for doing all sorts of malarkey. But apparently, if this happened, actually, someone near Rygate in Surrey. So it was actually nowhere near Newcastle, and he just come back from. A, he was I think he was managing his team, uh, that's his team, and they'd come back from a, an away game somewhere, and he's very tired. So he pulled over into a layby for a bit of a nap and then all of a sudden he got attacked by some people who uh, attacked him with a baseball bat and, and nicked his wallet and all sorts of stuff.
5: I've no idea where you're trying to take me with this conversation, Billy. I know nothing
2: about, about those, those stories. We're, talk- yeah, we're talking about Kevin Keegan because we're talking about, you know, when uh, back in the day, <laughs> heard the word lay-by, yeah, but what they do? And and it's the way that Chinese whispers—the stories just get out of hand, especially in pre-internet days, pre-Twitter days, pre-social media. So somebody tells a story, and then somebody else tells a story, and uh, and it is completely different to remember what you remember. It's going to be. Well, which reminds me of um, John Terry's. Anyway, we should move on from and that. What I was scrolling through this um, uh,
5: Josh Brown, your favourite Fulham memories. Fulham getting relegated from the Premiership. <laughs> Nothing's new with Brentford, just a fantastic observation. <laughs>
2: and we've got Christopher Waters as well, male pain injury timer, just arrived back from a holiday in Australia, extremely jet-lagged. It was a complete surprise that my friend's brother had the seat directly in front of me. I was really tired, wishing the game would go on so I could go home. And Morbay scored a late equaliser That was brilliant, that was. The photograph from that, that, that was, was um, by, by Farnham B, is fantastic. If you get it on official Brentford Pictures, just check it out. I was so excited and celebrated by my friend's brother in front of me. And the excitement, his glasses got knocked off and he was punched in the face. I blame the bloke next to me. He also had some limbs going on, but it's definitely me. That was a second win, and I was straight to the pub for... And he says straight for the pub for some beers, I suppose you said. So he's really happy with that anyway. So it's all good. But listen, loads and loads of stories. Did, I, um, did, my, did my Roger Stanislaus
4: one not get... Did I not win a ticket?
2: No, no, no. You, were, you didn't actually post it, but you were saying that you, you were very happy with Roger Stanislaus weren't you?
4: Roger Stanislaus's goal at the cottage um, at the Putney the end. He scored from about the halfway line. One foot. One foot yeah, one foot at Stanislaus. And it, I think it's still... I still think it's still travelling it was the most amazing strike Roger Stanislaus, So I raised my glass
2: Chip White talked about Bliss lumping uh, that's Gary Blissett lumping Stanhard uh, there's a bit of a punch up there and also Gary Bates using a Gordon Davis as a trampoline as well As back in the old school days like, you know. so, so like I said loads of entries Listen, thank you very much everybody for uh, entering into this it's been absolutely fantastic Gary Shripton, the Good Friday massacre he talked about there as well And uh, like I said to you, Sam Graham, Smith's reaction towards the Fulham fans when Malpais scored the injury time equaliser, he looked like a man possessed. And everyone said at the time that um, Dean Smith, he never reacted to anything. He just was like... Totally chilled out, and he never waved to the fans, and he had no reaction. But he had a proper reaction, that did he?
4: he? did, and I just got another random memory. Of, I, it, it must have been the season that we come up. It must have been. I know we won four 0 at Griffin Park. It was the game at Craven Cottage, and there was still cash on the turnstiles. And I, I still remember everyone, not mates, that I just queued up with other people. We went into the ground, and people were grabbing handfuls of ten pounds and twenty pound notes as they went through because the bloke wasn't looking so I think they must have lost money that day
5: I remember the time where we we sold out the away allocation so they had to let excess fans into the Riverside stadium uh, Riverside stands and they didn't realise that excess fans was about 3,000 and they was absolutely unbelievable that we had like Two sides of the ground, and the Fulham fans were so unhappy with that.
2: I mean, I'll talk about and, what, and they, and they say it's not a derby. No, 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 I've got to talk about one game as well because there's been millions of them, and I loved it. I mean, I remember the, the first game when we played Fulham back in the 80s as well, when they came down from the down to the third old third division, and they equalised. I remember they they scored the goal, beat us one nil at Griffin Park in the 71st minute. As well, the, the, uh, Mac. I can't remember that he was a, an Irish uh, player. He, he scored the goal. I was devastated for that one as well because I was so wound up for that one. It was really great. But I remember years later in the in the nineties, it was um, good friend of mine, Paul Cassell, Paul 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 C. You know, he's like a good mate of mine. I met him uh, at Reading beforehand. We became very good mates. And his brother, he ended up doing. I've, I'm sure I said this uh, this is a story before, but he ended up doing work experience at Fulham. So uh, he did work experience at Fulham, and he did that. And at the end of it, the, they said to him, his whole session, they said, "You can either have some money, or we'll give you an executive box for any game you want." So because I like he was younger, he said, oh, yeah, you know, Bill, he's always sorted me out, and Paul and Cleaver. I'm going to get an executive box." So basically, he sorted an executive box for the Brentford game. So in the end, we all got an executive box for the Brentford game against Fulham. It was brilliant. And we went there, and it was—I oh, can't even remember the score—but we won. It was massive. So we were in this executive box singing and going mental I think it's the first time there's been an executive box surrounded by police. <laughs> it was quite bad, actually. But you know, we, we were not cause any trouble. But we were singing and dancing when they weren't really expecting that. So yeah, there. It was yeah, an ex- safety, yeah, yeah. Of yeah, course, it was us So it was Is absolutely it? fantastic.
5: Is that like Ryan Sessegnon getting work experience at Fulham? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> maybe not quite the same but anyway i'm really grateful for ren for that experience as well i think fulham you're a little bit over exuberant but we had an absolutely fantastic day because we won and we were singing in the executive box and we didn't realize that that was against the rules but anyway listen we should move on how many
4: tickets, how many tickets did we give away how many tickets did we give away
2: uh we gave away percent. Uh, yeah 74 percent. that's what it was absolutely 74 percent. but listen We've got big game on Saturday. We need to know a little bit more about Fulham. So we're going to talk to Pharrell Monk from the Fulhamish podcast. He's going to tell us what's going down at this very moment in time. Listen, I don't need to take the cues from you, OK? With Fulham.
6: Hello, I'm Pharrell Monk from the Fulhamish podcast. I've been a Fulham fan all my life, thanks to my dad taking uh, me to the best football ground in the country Um, last season wasn't particularly fun Uh, the main reasons being you know there wasn't really a lack of uh, there wasn't really a transfer strategy that was coherent enough for our team Uh, we strengthened in areas we probably shouldn't have you know coming up with probably the strongest midfield three in mcdonald kearney and Johansson, and then decided to splash the cash on on uh, Anguisa and Seri, and then trying to fit them into the system, it just it just caught up with with uh, Slavicia and he wasn't probably given enough time to make things right. Um, you know, I personally would have would have stuck with him. We was, performances started to stutter, but you know he had a system and he wants to stick with it. We went to Liverpool in his last game and probably should have taken at least a point there. We were we were unlucky to to go away um are uh, being defeated 2-0 and that ended his reign his well very successful reign as manager in the end um, and then we brought in Claudio Ranieri which quite frankly was an absolute disaster spell for us he tried to sort of play very much a defensive system with you know quite possibly the worst defense in the league you know ended up shipping 81 goals that season and he thought that it would be a good idea to to start playing defensive football and trying to play counter attack with players that we didn't really have. And unfortunately, his his uh, his reign ended with a whimper. And thankfully, we got Scott Parker in, who you know couldn't stop the rot, and we ended up getting relegated. But he decided to you know play play the players that were needed under Ranieri. He wasn't really playing. Our talisman, Tom Kearney, was playing on out of position. It just wasn't going right for him. And Parker came in and was like, look, we're going to play our best players. We're going to play the system that the players know and love. And results came our way. Three wins in three after we got relegated. And it was, you know, feel good factor came in. This season, it was absolutely imperative that we do, that we managed to keep some of our better players that we're realistically going to keep a hold of. You know, obviously we've got huge backing at the moment uh, with with the cans that we can splash the cash a little bit, and we're able to tempt Tom Kearney and Alexander Mitrovic, who, to be honest, yes, they uh, given. Big new contracts, but to be honest, they absolutely love it down at Fulham. Thankfully, and you can tell by the way they play that they play with a smile on their face, and and they they always talk about how much they love it down at Craven Cottage. So, it was really key to hang on to those players and strengthen in areas, and really listen to what Parker wanted from the team this season. And you can see that in the style of play. We're going back to a very much possession-based football with just a bit more bite involved. Some very key tactical uh, switches you know you know ever so light but uh, very very key ones we're now playing with more out and out wingers and more reserved fullbacks and we can see that now with with the signings of um uh Anthony Knockhart and Ivan Cavalero for example out and out real energetic out and out wingers and it's shown with the bulk of goals that we've already scored this season unfortunately for him um it hasn't gone too well recently. We've seen two losses in a row, but that's probably just down to the unfortunate fact that we're suffering quite a lot of injuries at the moment. Uh, you know, at the moment in, cent- in centre midfield, you you have Kevin McDonald, Harry Arter, Harrison Reed, Bobby Reed, all out in the centre of the park, and it's really showing, especially in uh, in the game against Preston, where um, you know we were playing, having to play Stefan Johansson and josh onama in in center mids and yes Steph Joh- yeah johansson has been an excellent player for us down the years but josh onama has been quite off the pace hopefully he can pick it up but to be honest we're still third in the league as that speaking um i think uh, scott parker's got the team playing that we want them to play and he wants them to play and they the players are very very receptive to it um On to Saturday the big big local derby and the last one at Griffin Park I'm looking forward to going to it you know it's it's just going to be a a real sort of you know who who we going to look out for on the day in terms in a a Fulham shirt we're not entirely sure it really does depend upon uh who's going to be fit and available hopefully Tom Kearney is back and and really picking up his where he left off and Um, and it really does depend on some of the other injuries because you know you might not know but Fulham are incredibly tight lipped about who is on who is in the treatment table and when people are coming back quite rightly or wrongly is is for you to decide Um, I feel that one player to really watch out for is probably Abubakar Kamara uh, almost a forgotten man towards the end of last season shipped out on loan to Turkey but has come back this season really worked hard he's integrated back with the scott well scott parker's full of praise for him and ever since he's fought his way back into the team he has been you know probably our most creative spark Um, as one one of my mates calls him he he is the firecracker, and he's living up to his reputation he's added a few goals recently so um him and mitrovic seem to be linking up quite well so Um, The other one I would say is Niskin's Cabano, who's fought his way back into contention due to injuries and this last two sub appearances. He's really sparkled coming off the bench. Brentford, uh, I am obviously, we haven't got the best record out of them. Um, Yeah, and, you know, some of the fans are now not not looking forward to Saturday, but I am. I think it's going to be an incredibly fiery affair. Brentford are obviously chasing the playoffs. We're already in the playoffs and... You know, Brentford always seem to raise our game against uh, against us so hopefully Fulham can raise the game and match them on the pitch and really play our game and not rise to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it being as an occasion for, for both sets of fans if I'm trying to be democratic about it but diplomatic even about it um, considering it's the last time we'll ever go to Griffin Park, cups, cups aside so it will be a very tasty atmosphere. Down in West London. Um, score prediction though, I, I'm thinking it's going to be a high scoring affair and I'm going for 3 2 to the Whites. Thank you very much. Uh, hope you enjoy the game Saturday, but only from a sort of enjoying ap- atmosphere because Fulham are going there to win.
2: Come on, you whites. So that was Pharrell Monk from the Fulhamish podcast and yeah, listen. Fulham you have to admit they come down for the Premier League last season and uh, Is them down? Yeah, listen, we'll talk about that a little bit later but they Fulham they were expected to get promoted straight away it hasn't quite gone according to plan they've obviously got yeah, 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 yeah but not XG but XV expect, expected to be promoted We've, they've got Scott, um, Scott Parker Scott Parker, yeah, Scott, Scott Parker, Parker, in. they've got Spocker in. And he's got, he's in the he's in the driving seat at the moment now. Some Fulham fans aren't completely happy with him. They spend a lot of money. They've got a lot of very very good players in there. They don't seem to be quite clicking. This may be an opportunity for Brentford. I mean, I'm just going to talk about Fulham as in their characteristics, what they're about. They're very good at attacking and down the wings. They're very good at creating chances through, through using through balls. They're uh, they're good. At finishing scoring chances, you know. I mean, look at Mitrovic, he's unbelievable. You know, they're very good at protecting the lead so he can't go behind. And they're also good at defending set pieces. But what they're not good at is defending counter attacks. So we know that we're good on the counter. Also, defending against attacks down the wings, they're, they're bad. And also, they're very, very, very bad at stopping opponents from creating chances. So you create the chances, you know what I'm saying? It's not good. They like the possession football and their short passes, as you know, Fulham, so they pass the ball around. Kind of like us, so it's like, you know, six, seven hundred passes. Whether or not they're actually kind of clinical at the end of the day is a different story, you know. It seems like it's a game of get the ball to Mitrovic and he will score. But other than that, you know, so basically you have to stop them getting the ball to Mitrovic. You know, they like to take long shots, they attack through the middle, attack down the left, consistent first 11, play the offside trap. Listen, we know what Fulham are about. They lost against um, Pe and E the other day. They haven't had a great record recently. They are beatable, aren't they? The Dutch.
5: Yeah, they're beatable. They're a, they're a good team, and Mitrovic probably puts them slightly above where they are. I don't think they're that dissimilar to us, probably in terms of um, the, the style and the play. I think that they were, you know, they're, they're a decent team on the whole. They have got a real focal point in Mitrovic, and he's he's a quality player. He's a premier player, but uh, it's, it's not all about him. We've got quality players as well. Uh, and probably more of them throughout the pitch and we're probably less focused on one player than they are. So listen, it's going to be a great game, isn't it? It's going to be a great atmosphere, sold out. You know, we haven't sold out a GP for a long, long time now. Um, bring it on.
4: We're not, we're not actually good against um, managers that are named after overgarments. So we've got um, Kenny, Kenny Jacket. we weren't very good against and then um, Scott Parker, not we haven't we haven't beaten him yet. So um, and Brian Duffelco, we haven't we haven't beaten him.
2: So I, I, we're up, we're due a win. I mean, we are due a win. But I mean, just coming back to this Fulham, coming back to this Fulham side, this Fulham game. I mean, in, in, a, in a strange way, even though we'll be up for it, the pressure's off us though, don't you think?
4: Mm, I, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is after winning tonight. I think I think the pressure is off of us. If we if we're looking at over the whole season and three points are three points it don't, you forget the opposition then you know a draw on Saturday is probably okay so like to get four, four points out your two home games that, that would be okay but really you know, once you add the Fulham ingredient in and you kind of step back and well, I, think, I think everyone every player the manager every Brentford fan that goes into that stadium on Saturday is going to be drunk. Er, er, drunk and urging <laughs> urging a win um, so, I think th- there is pressure, but it's a positive pressure if you know what I mean. It's kind of like it's an exuberance, it's a real passionate hope that we can turn up on Saturday and everything goes in our favour. If we play anything like we did tonight, then we, we stand a good chance of winning. Um, we, we just need to make sure that we, we you know, we, we, we take our chances and we and we go at them on the front foot. I mean, we're going to do that anyway. You know, that, that's the way we're going to try and play. We're going to go out there and we're going to take the game to Fulham. We're not going to sit back and go, "Oh, there they were in the Premiership last season." Forget all that. You know, forget all that. Where they were, who they are, how much they've spent. Brentford Football Club is on a bit of a roll at the moment. They've lost the last two. We've, we've we're doing all right. So, uh, at Griffin Park. We, we stand a really fantastic chance of winning so we just got to hope that there's no injuries there's nothing picked up from tonight if we if we can turn up like we did tonight then we then we, we stand a brilliant chance of getting three points
2: Looking at um, I mean again XG some people like I said don't like it but we like it it's a very good indicator of what's going on I mean I'm just looking at the last Fulham game uh, okay Fulham had a player that sent off as well but so did Preston have a player that sent off Preston it actually was 2.17, it was pretty high, pretty strong, Preston, you know what I'm saying, they were creating some good chances, Fulham was 0.71, which basically means that, you know, adding up all their chances, you know, 0.71% um, overall of scoring, and they weren't looking, they didn't create lots of chances, now Fulham aren't particularly great, um, from what I can gather, away from home. You know, so they've got us today. Our XG was about one point, roughly about one and a half. You know, we did all right. But we seem to be getting the balance between, um, I think Cardiff was, again, I'll have to look back at it, but I think Cardiff was about 0.7 or 0.8 as well. So we seem to have the, we're getting the balance where we're not going sort of super high, two or three XG, which is like, you know, fantastic, absolutely out of the world. But we're trying to get the balance between being really good defensively and also having those attacking chances as well, but we're not trying to give too much away. So Fulham coming down to Griffin Park on Saturday will be quite interesting. How we we, we manage them?
4: Yeah, I mean, you talk about XG, and it's an you know I, I'm a believer as well, and you know I'm not I'm not pretty not literally preaching to people that don't want to believe it, but if you, you can also look at goal difference because it, it's, it's a similar it's a similar kind of um, um, metric where. It's about what you score and what you concede. And even, even if you take our seven goals that we scored against Luton out of the equation, where we stood in the table before tonight, it showed that we were plus seven without those seven goals against Luton. We were plus, actually plus 14. And the teams around us were either minus three or zero. So we've been scoring more goals than we've been conceding which shows we're pretty much doing the right things. And there was like QPR that were a few points behind us that were actually 21 goals gross behind where we're at. So we're doing the right things. We are creating quality chances. We're scoring lots of goals. We're conceding less goals than we've ever done at this level it's looking good
2: mate. I mean we're looking good. We've got Fulham coming down here. I mean this is like I said to you, this is a very we talked about earlier, we keep saying it's a very crucial month for us. You know, playing these teams, these top teams, you know, we, we, we need to get results from them. We you know, last season we were doing very well against probably like lower teams and upper teams we were we probably we were probably in the in the right position where we finished last season. If we're gonna be a top six team You know, we lost to Sheffield Wednesday today. We're now fourth at the moment now. I mean, I believe it was an unlucky result because if we had different players in, the players that were injured were in the side. I think it would have been a completely different game because you saw how they absolutely, you know, they they ran that game today. And when we were under pressure from Cardiff, they made sure that we didn't crumble, which we would have done last season. The Dutchman, you know, Fulham, Coming down, they're a bloody good side, mate. They've, they've spent a load of money. They've got some really good players. Whether or not Scott Parker is the man, that is a question, Mark. But we're consistently inconsistent. How can we make sure that we're not inconsistent on Saturday?
5: I think we know what our best team is. We know what our best eleven is. Um, there'll be some confidence from tonight. We do seem to get the odd blip every now and then. But the results over the last seven, eight games... Uh, have been good. Uh, I disagree with Laney I, I I don't think everyone believes in XG because you know I don't. Um, I get it, but I don't really like talking about. it There's enough stats there without the XG that that points towards how we're doing, and that's called results and goals scored and, and performances and and luck. And I know XG just sort of represents that. So it, it is about being consistent. But I think for me, play our game. We are. Yeah, Fulham will be looking at us thinking they're a good team. You know, we've got to contain. The guy who's the top, whatever he is, second or third top scorer in the championship. And we double up on Watkins. Then you've got Ben Rama, who showed in the first half today, when he's on his game, he's unstoppable. So you put two on him, and then you try and stop Brian, and then you can't do that. And then you've got Rico Henry bombing through in the space that's created. and, And we're a good team. Going forward, we're an excellent, excellent team. And the difference this year is we are more secure at the back. And yeah, we, we, we worried with that bombardment today, but we held out and we've got different players now. And I don't think Fulham will be looking forward to playing us at all.
2: I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think, because obviously there's a thing about the team and the squad and rotation and who we should play. Do you think that we should stick on Saturday with exactly the same team that we played today? Because there's... A, there's been a few question marks about J- uh, Jensen, even though he had a great game today. You know whether there's Makoto, is he in, is he out? You know, there's a lot of kind of iffing and butting about players. What do you think?
4: No, I think we need to start as we started tonight. If I'm honest with you, yeah, I don't see any reason whatsoever to change the starting eleven. I looked at the starting eleven tonight and I thought that that's that's a winning team. And uh, I, I, I still think the same. I think, uh, you know, obviously there will be substitutions along the way on Saturday, but start, start as we set up today and I don't think we will go far wrong. If we get a draw, that's, I think that's the worst that's going
2: to happen to us on Saturday. Interesting. So, look, we've talked about Fulham. They're coming down here on Saturday. We've heard from Pharrell Monk from the Fulhamish podcast. We've had a little discussion. We talked about the Cardiff game today. Just the last thing I'm going to do is going to go around and just get a little bit of a score prediction from you guys uh, from Saturday.
5: Can I predict the Cardiff score
2: again? Because uh, oh I think I think know, we also, we're, we're going to say where the, the Sav said two one, so all Sav. Fair, yeah, we did also. To be fair, Sav got it spot on. So uh, yeah, it's interesting. We can't normally do this, but this is quite nice to actually do this. You know what I'm saying? You right, want me to go to first? I'm going to say for Fulham. I'm going to say two one to the bees.
5: I'm going to say 1-0 Brentford, Stanislaus, 35-yarder.
4: 5-1 Brentford.
2: Ah, look at him. He's like, listen, if you say 5-1, mate, you know, all the beers are going to be you. You know, if you the 5-1 and you get it, it's going to be beers for you all for the rest of the night. But listen, this is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. We've got loads of stuff coming up for you, like I said to you. In about a week's time, we're going to put up, we've got a little interview from Red Star Belgrade when we went down to Red Star Belgrade, the bees. We're in Serbia. We'll put that up in probably in about a week's time and Besotted as well. Billy Manuel, that's going to go up as well on Besotted. Besotted.com as well. We've got the 1st of May. Don't forget to just put that in your diary. The end of season social is going to be big. We'll be talking to a few players about that. We've got all sorts of stuff going on as well. But other than that, I'm Billy Grant here. I'm in the pub with Lainey and the Dutchman. We were here with all sorts of characters and you know, Savvy B and, and people beforehand. And uh, This has been a tremendous day. We've got the three points we need to, but we've got Fulham on Saturday, and we need to get three points on Saturday. But as we say, this is a big game, as we say.
0: Oh, come on,
2: come on, you bees.
6: Come on, you bees. Come on,
4: come on, you bees. Come on, come on, you the Come on.
1: Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. shopify.com slash work.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.